Hello, my name is Mallory Jenna Robinson. Join me on A Hateful Homicide, a true crime podcast dedicated to telling the stories regarding the murders of transgender, gender non-binary, and gender diverse community members in the United States and abroad. This is A Hateful Homicide. 911, what's your emergency? Yeah. transgender woman has been shot and killed in North Baltimore, Alpha. In the U.S., trans women of color have a life expectancy of just 35 years. This happens on a daily. Another one of my friends got killed right up the street from here. These cases are true. The victims are real and their voices matter. This is A Hateful Homicide. The murder of Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow. Sunday, January 1st, 2017, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Sioux Falls. Police Captain Blaine Larson says the murder suspect knew his victim, 28-year-old Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow, whose body was found in an apartment Friday night when police responded to a call for a welfare check. We were able to see on some of this video that he entered the victim's uh, apartment in the early morning hours of January 1st. Piercy was allowed in. I think the victim and Mr. LeClaire are at least acquainted. There was no forced entry. At this time, Larson does not believe the homicide is a hate crime. We're not prepared to really address that at this point in time. I know there's a lot of concerns that this was a hate crime. Nothing we've seen in our investigation, uh, looking at social media or their contacts, confirms that for us at this point in time. We may learn more. Again, we're less than 72 hours into this, so there's a lot of interviews yet to be done. Larson says the suspect, 25-year-old Joshua Ravon LeClaire, was arrested for violating his parole. Larson said it's believed the victim was killed with a knife. I'm Jerry Damon. It's just 3.30 a.m. Sunday into the new year of 2017. Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow, a two-spirited 28-year-old transgender woman She was relatively new to the Sioux Falls, South Dakota area. She had begun to develop a friendship with a man by the name of Joshua Ravon LeClaire, age 25, cisgendered white male. The two had began a friendship in Sioux Falls and on Sunday, January 1st, 2017, around 3.30 a.m. at her apartment on 8th Street in North Cleveland, Surveillance footage captures LeClaire entering the apartment of Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow. Around 4.40 a.m. on January 1st, 2017, Joshua is seen leaving. And that is the last time that Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow is seen alive. Now, fast forward to January 6th, 2017. An odor starts to come from the apartment of Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow. 
neighbors notice a stench and they decide that they want to do a welfare check on their new neighbor who had just moved into the apartment about two months prior. The leasing officer goes to the apartment and discovers the badly decomposed body of Jamie Lee wounded arrow. The authorities are called. The victim is identified. She is discovered to be transgender. And according to the time of when Jamie Lee wounded Arrow's body was discovered, which would have been um, Saturday, January 6th of 2017, she was the second transgender fatality in the year of 2017. Just several days prior to her body being discovered, there was another trans woman murdered in the state of Mississippi named Misha Caldwell, a black trans woman. So as we delve into this case, we're going to talk about Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow. We're going to just talk about who Joshua LeClaire was to her, her identity as a two-spirit indigenous trans woman, boldly and bravely, and her role in her community in the South Dakota area. And then we're going to talk about Josh LeClaire and the ruling and why this case garnered so much attention and ultimately why it was determined not to be a hate crime, even though it was a hateful homicide. So as we go through this case, we're going to discuss exactly who Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow is. We know that on the early morning hours of Sunday, January 1st, 2017, she lets in her friend, a man by the name of Joshua Rayvon LeClaire. Described as funny and gregarious, he had a bit of a rough streak. He had already just been recently released on parole. So when Jamie Lee moved to the area of Sioux Falls, she had just adopted two little kittens and she was really getting to know the community. The community of Sioux Falls, South Dakota had a relatively peaceful existence, especially when it came to trans individuals. There hadn't been much of any homicides that had been documented and it was also a bigger city. And so this was going to be a really great opportunity for this amazing 28-year-old to really spread her wings and get out there and meet other people. And that's exactly what she did. So she invites Joshua LeClaire over to her home. The two were going to celebrate 2017, and Jamie had a lot of future plans. And her goal was to get into nonprofit work. Her goal was to really raise awareness for the indigenous communities in South Dakota and the surrounding areas. And she had so much going for herself. She had just gotten her own apartment and just four hours into the new year morning, her life will be snuffed out with seven stab wounds all in the upper torso. Why did Joshua LeClaire decide to murder Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow? We don't know. According to Josh, he doesn't recall. He says that him and Jamie um, had some alcohol. They had engaged in some 
intimacy, he was aware of her gender identity as a trans woman. So we know that behind his reasoning, it wasn't because, according to him, that she was transgender. So then what made this man decide to stab his friend, his friend with benefits, seven times? Well, as Josh was sitting in the interrogation office, because surveillance at this point has been retrieved from the apartment complex off of North Cleveland Avenue, where Jamie Lee wounded Arrow's body has been discovered. They have pulled the surveillance footage and have seen clearly the CCTV footage of Joshua Rayburn LeClaire. They're able to use that footage and pull up his information and identify him. They were also able to retrieve Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow's cell phone records, which coincided with Joshua's cell phone records being in the same place as Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow. The last time her phone was seen using any activity was around 4.10 a.m. on the morning of January 1st, 2017. And based on the autopsy from the medical examiner, we have determined that she was most likely dead for about five days before her body was discovered. And for her family and loved ones who prided on giving Jamie her independence, who prided on giving Jamie her sense of, you know, self-sufficiency. They didn't want to hover. They didn't want to worry. But even them, this family, a member of the Aglala Lakota tribe, they knew that something was wrong. Jamie grew up on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. And, you know, she worked in customer service and she loved spending her time at the library. Described as honest and compassionate, Jamie had a really big heart and openness for others. Seen as someone who not only thrived on being able to give and receive love from her community and from her family, having a very loving, supportive family, including her sister, Brenda, Wounded Arrow, and her mother and sister-in-law, Judy Sakato. All of these individuals spoke so highly of Wounded Arrow's murder, unforeseen murder, this senseless tragedy, this hateful homicide placed upon Jamie just a few hours into the New Year day. And so one of the things that we have to understand is that what happens to the indigenous community, right? Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow is one of many indigenous two-spirit transgender women out here in the United States and abroad who are murdered. And oftentimes, because they are not considered United States citizens, their homicides do not get honor the same attention as someone who would be a U.S. citizen. And we already know, based on other cases that we've covered so far, that so many times trans individuals' cases are often swept under the rug as it is. So a victim like Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow would receive little to no attention. 
but because of her love of life and because of the indigenous movement for really raising awareness of this two-spirit identity and transgender identity, Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow's murder would not go unsolved. You know, Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow um, is described again as someone who was just really full of life. She also studied social work at the Oglala Lakota College and even nursing at a Georgetown University summer program, according to theadvocate.com. Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow really wanted to have a life of love and freedom. And one of the things is, is that she wanted to be able to have friends, a sense of identity. And so when she met Joshua LeClaire on Facebook, the two hit it off. Developing a friendship around September of 2016, just a little over four months before her murder, the two had described their text and messages as flirtatious yet harmless. Josh had spoken highly of Jamie as someone who had given him praise and motivated him in his time of despair. She was someone who encouraged him to not give up and continue to um, motivate himself during um, his time as a parolee. She even tried to help him find employment. And so we know the interactions between the two were relatively peaceful. They seemed to get along. And the fact that Jamie was transgender, which was heavily conversed in their conversations on Facebook and text messages. There was never really a big issue between the two. But around December 30th of 2016, Jamie had grown fed up of Josh's antics. She had let him borrow some money and she wanted it back. Josh, who again was still looking for employment and not quite stable and secure in his housing and finances, was unable to give the money back. A text message exchange occurs on December 30th of 2016, that Friday, just two days before Jamie's murder, where Jamie is asking for her money back because she has her rent that is due in several days. Josh states that he does not have the money, but he will do his best to have the money by January 1st of 2017. Now, we don't know for sure because there's been some evidence that's been hard to recover, but it's not quite sure that if Josh went over to Jamie's home to murder her in the ruse of giving her the money back on New Year's morning, Or was it that he was just going over to communicate with her and things went wrong? According to Josh, in his interrogation interview on January 7th of 2017, he admits in the Sioux Falls, South Dakota Police Department to Detective Abadajo that he blacked out, that he doesn't know what happened, that him and Jamie were having fun, they were catching up, they were discussing the money that he owed her, but nothing really escalated. Again, Jamie, someone who is described as compassionate. Um, according to Josh, the conversation was relatively pleasant. She even gave him an extension on when he could pay her back. 
So detectives wanted to know what made you kill Jamie? What made you stab her seven times? He does not remember. He recalls blacking out, waking up around 4.40 a.m., leaving her home. And detectives know this to be true because the video depicts LeClaire walking into the apartment building wearing a black hoodie, white shorts, and white tennis shoes. And then also photo stills from the CCTV footage shows LeClaire leaving Wounded Arrow's apartment in the same black hoodie, but in black pants and different shoes. He's even seen carrying another pair of shoes and also can be seen tossing items into a wooded area near Wounded Arrow's apartment. Detectives Ahoto and Soto discover the shoes and Wounded Arrow's wallet found it in the wooded area covered in a bit of snow. So forensics and all of this, um, the, the crime investigative team tested Wounded Arrow's wallet, tested the white tennis shoes, the white shorts, and discovered blood, not only on those items, but even on the black hoodie sweatshirt that was later found ditched in a construction zone. There was no denying that Joshua LeClaire murdered Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow. There is no doubt about it. He stated in court, you know, or excuse me, in his interrogation, he stated, quote, unquote, I'm not a bad person. You know, this case wasn't intentional. I wish I handled the situation differently. I ask for another chance at life. This is what he said in response to his actions. You know, and as we look into the Minnehaha County Courthouse and and, and Joshua LeClaire went to court in June of 2018 and, you know, Jamie's sister-in-law, Judy Silks, you know, is there and she speaks about the tragedy, you know, the, the, the trauma that this family has endured, that how Jamie wasn't just some fallen victim that how she wasn't just someone who wasn't and didn't deserve to live, that her life snuffed out at the age of 28 was now gone. And you know, when we look at this case, we have to think about all of this. And when Josh was finally arrested, you know, again, on January 7th of 2016, the judge has sentenced him to a million dollar bond. Again, this was groundbreaking for the Two-Spirit Indigenous community, a community often so many times overlooked and definitely not getting justice, especially in the United States of America. But for this cisgendered, white, privileged man to have be placed on a, on a, on a bond of $1 million, 
Oh, this was everything. And so I want to take a moment and discuss exactly who was Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow. Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow, born March 17th, 1988, was, you know, this amazing daughter and sister to so many people of her community. And she, again, described as loving and dedicated, had just moved to the Sioux Falls, South Dakota area, wanting a fresh start in life and to really break into her own role as an independent woman beyond her traditional setting of the tribal background. She wanted to get an opportunity to really be herself and be able to have a life worth living. Jamie, who had delved into customer service work, who had delved into social work and social services, had wanted to bring that into the Sioux Falls community. She loved her Kentucky Fried Chicken. She had just adopted two beautiful kittens several weeks before her murder. And wanted to, again, have these relationships of developing new friendships. One of the friendships that she developed in her short time in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, again, was with 25-year-old Josh LaCare. According to him, um, him and Jamie had a flirtatious relationship. But he had also claimed that Jamie had made unwanted sexual advances at him. You know, and this is what also prompted him to attack and murder Jamie. Again, as we've seen in cases where the victims are often blamed, Joshua LeClaire was doing the exact same thing, placing the blame on Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow. He stated that if she had not made unwanted advances at him, that she would still be here. And in that moment, that he does wish that he could take back his actions. He states, I didn't mean any of this. Nobody deserves such a tragic. But again, Jamie, this amazing woman who has so much going for herself. And again, you don't want to forget who she is. You know, again, like I said, she was in, she worked at Lawrence and Schiller Teleservices as a customer service agent. And again, she has so many great goals working at Ogla, I'm going to school at Ogla Lakota College for social work and then pursuing nursing at Georgetown University in their summer program. Jamie had dated on and off. She had this amazing partner, and um, that partner chooses to remain anonymous. Um, And they had this relationship throughout the years. They were close. They met in their tribe and also described as a two-spirited individual. Jamie was really good friends with a lot of individuals back in her Agla Lakota tribe. 
And she was really, really grateful for the uh, acceptance that she had received at an early age. Jamie, who had began her gender journey at the age of 20, was really proud of herself for standing in her truth and deciding to begin her journey. Well received by her family and received an enormous support from her loved ones and community, Jamie continued to thrive. Jamie worked with other indigenous two-spirited trans women throughout her community, as well as throughout the Sioux Falls, South Dakota area to really work on getting trans women, especially those of the indigenous and two-spirit experience into types of programming and essential services that could help them be the best individuals they could be for themselves and for their community. When Jamie moved into her apartment off of North Cleveland, she had begun to make it also like a supportive group safe space for other community members. Other community members can be described as coming into Jamie Lee's home and feeling so welcomed and so assured and that she would bring up topics about violence against indigenous two-spirit trans women faced in relationships with cis men or even faced in relationships with other tribal leaders. Jamie would bring in different topics and guest speakers and she would also wanna raise awareness through her social media presence, like her Instagram and Facebook, discussing issues surrounding the Two-Spirit community. Jamie was also known for highlighting her community and their acceptance and ability and willingness to love and embrace those of the Two-Spirit transgender community. Now, Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow, described again as compassionate and loving decided to develop a friendship with someone who would ultimately take her life. And like so many of the cases that we have covered, oftentimes the victims of these hateful homicides have known their victims. Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow, unfortunately knew her perpetrator. Not for that long, but long enough to welcome him into her home in the morning of January 1st of 2017. Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow, who had given Joshua LeClaire hundreds of dollars to help him financially get back on his feet. And what does Joshua LeClaire do? Stabs her repeatedly in the head and the neck and the chest seven times, leaving her to bleed out on her living room floor body decomposing, neighbors smelling the strong odor, arousing the maintenance and other apartment leaders to come in and search the apartment complex and shockingly discover the dead body of 28-year-old Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow. Now, some of you may be wondering, who is Joshua LeClaire? Well, Joshua LeClaire is quite an interesting character, you all. Described as someone who is very gregarious, he was known for being a bad boy and having a bit of a rough streak. Josh had been in and out of jail in Sioux Falls, South Dakota for several years and not just in that area as well. He had also been charged with burglary, 
um, possession, drug possession. He was very known, um, well known for using meth and other drugs um, of those sorts. And so he had all types of charges stemming from Iowa to Idaho to North Dakota and South Dakota. Josh had a propensity for violence. He had attacked women before, cisgendered women, his girlfriend of three years, the mother of his son. Josh had also been placed in prison and was on parole several months prior to the murder. When we spoke with Josh's parole officer, Marsha Perkins, I asked her, what was it like dealing with Josh on a week-to-week or sometimes monthly or depending on the improvement of Josh's behavior and growth in his case management? How often did you see him and what was his temperament like? Ms. Perkins confided, quote-unquote, that Josh was relatively calm, wanting to be the best that he could be for his young son. He's expressed wanting to reconcile with the mother of his son, but knew that that relationship had pretty much ended. He had mentioned Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow to Miss Perkins and described her as a friend. He did confide that she was transgender and that that didn't bother And that it didn't bother him. And so as I kept speaking with Miss Perkins, I had to ask myself, oh, you do not even realize, you know, how much trauma you have caused this poor family. And, you know, when I spoke with Miss Perkins, even going further, she confided that she too has since spoken with Josh since his, you know, arrest and his conviction where he was sentenced to 80 years in prison for the murder of Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow. I also reached out to another amazing podcaster, sister of mine. Her name is Raven Noah. And like myself, she too covers so many cases. And I wanted to get her input on this case. She had covered this case back in 2017, and I wouldn't have done my due diligence if I did not reach out to my sister. And she shared this amazing, you know, interview footage with me. And I just wanted to share this with you all to give you an impact on how not only when one of us is murdered and not only impacts that victim's family, but how it also impacts us as a transgender community. All I can say is, um, you know, rest in peace, Jamie, you know, and uh, I don't know, she's the second transgender woman to be murdered as far as 2017, you know, and we haven't even gotten a whole weekend yet, and basically someone else has been murdered, you know, making the the second transgender woman. This this woman was called a two-spirit you know, transgender woman says so she was two spirits as far as that, you know, it's the same thing as transgender, but it's just another term as far as being trans, and she was known as two spirits and stuff, and my prayers go out to the families and stuff as far as your child, you know, 
being done so horrific and you know to find your kid murdered inside of her apartment and stuff you know it's, it's considered to be a homicide i could keep you updated in reference to um what's going to take place as far as money i guess more information you know will be let out as far as her you know the crime that was committed against her and stuff and the smell of her body was inside the apartment and neighbors started you know, complain about the smell. That's the reason why they found her, so. As you can see, this murder has impacted so many of our community members. As I mentioned before, Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow was the second murder of 2017, already going into January. And it's heartbreaking to think of, again, Misha Campbell of Mississippi, who had just been murdered on January 3rd of 2017. And then again, to have the body of Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow discovered just several days later. And you can hear from Raven Noah as she spoke about the trauma and the impact of how this haunts our community. Oftentimes, we as trans women do not feel that we have the voice or the privilege to speak up and speak out about these homicides that are placed upon us. But what I want each of my audience members and those who are new and joining is to hopefully really understand that our community just wants acceptance, love, and respect, just like everyone else. A society where not only are we not defined by our gender identity, but that it's not questioned and or challenged, and especially to the point of murder. This hateful homicide is exactly that. Joshua LeClaire wants to say that he blacked out first and foremost. Then he goes and says that no, Jamie hit on me. Okay, if we go with that logic, again, how is the response for anyone in a situation where there is an unwanted advantage to respond in such a hateful way that that responds in homicidal violence? Even though he knew that Jamie Lee Wingland Arrow was not a cisgendered woman, that still does not exclude the fact that that did not play a role in her murder because his logic is, is the fact that she made unwanted advances at him. This ultimately led in her murder, him blacking out and stabbing her seven times, three times in the head, once in the throat and four and three times in the chest. So what is the logic? What is the reasoning? Well, Josh doesn't know. He just felt in his logical mind that it was the right thing to do to murder Jamie. But in my opinion, Josh knew that Jamie wanted her money back. Josh tried to seduce Jamie. Think about it, 3.30 in the morning. Jamie is this young, beautiful, two-spirited trans woman. She has needs just like the rest of us. Josh prayed and played on her friendship knowing that she would open the door for him at 3.30 in the morning. Josh also knew and prayed and played on the fact that she had given him money. He goes under the rules of having her open the door under the guise that he was going to pay her back. Once he got into her home, Josh knew that he was not going to be able to pay Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow 
the $650 that he owed her. So what does he do next? He decides to hit on her, thinking that Jamie was so desperate for love and affection and attention. And even if she was tempted to be wooed by his advances, Jamie rebuffed them. In that moment, Josh knew that Jamie wanted her money back and that if she did not receive her money back, that she was going to go to the authorities and press charges. And someone who is newly on parole for the fourth time and who does not want to go back to prison and miss out on being a father to his son and even have the slim chance of reconciling with the mother of that son, snapped, murdered Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow, grabs the knife out of her kitchen block, stabs her, throws the items in a wooded area not too far from where she lives. The blood is on the evidence. Josh, after several days of fleeing authorities, was able to finally confess to his role in the murder of Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow. So this hateful homicide was not some casual, you know, crime that went wrong. It was very much methodical. It was very much planned out. Joshua Ravon LeClaire knew that he was going to kill Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow if she had not decided to forgive his loan. And like so many of these cases, like so many cases, period, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Josh knew he could not pay Jamie back. And the only way to silence her for good was to commit a hateful homicide. And as we prepare to conclude, I just want to say to my sister Jamie, we remember you. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever and always, we remember you, Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow, March 1988 to January 1st, 2017. Rest on my sister. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in to an episode of A Hateful Homicide. Join us next Saturday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for the next episode, season one, episode eight. Again, please follow us on Instagram at A Hateful Homicide. Like us on Facebook at A Hateful Homicide. And again, use the hashtags A Hateful Homicide. Ah, say ah. Transgender awareness, true crime, podcasting, and suspenseful Saturdays. Again, my name is Mallory Jenna Robinson. You can follow me at Mallory Jenna 90, M A L L E R Y J E N N A 90. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And again, stay tuned for next week of a new episode of A Hateful Homicide. Good day. <laughs>